Episode 39, Emotion Coaching Kids Part 1, What Not to Do. This is the Expat Mom Podcast, a podcast for expat moms around the world who want to feel better and improve their emotional health as they navigate the unique challenges of living and mothering abroad. I'm your host, Jenny Linton. I'm a certified life coach, a mom to four daughters, and married to a U.S. diplomat. I've lived in six countries on four continents. I know what it's like to feel stuck emotionally, and I know how to get unstuck. I'm excited to share with you some tools to help you feel less discouraged, improve your relationships, and increase your confidence. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks to all of you who are regular listeners, and welcome to those of you who are new here. Our family just traveled to the Great Wall of China together. It's something my husband and I have really wanted to do with our kids for a long time. And due to COVID, it's been challenging to make it happen. So we were so excited to go, and so were our kids. We had a wonderful time, but I was reminded again how many emotions come up for kids when we travel. As exciting as travel is, it also stretches each of our emotional limits. We're hungry, we're tired, our feet hurt, we're hot. And we had plenty of whining and meltdowns and blowups from our kids. Kids and big emotions go together like peanut butter and jelly. It's part of the business of childhood and our teen years to figure out how to deal with emotions. As parents, we can be a help or a hindrance to that process. That's our topic today. This is the first in a series on how to help your kids deal with big emotions. This is a topic I get a lot of requests to address. We just finished a month focused on transitions and tools for helping families navigate change. And this tool we're discussing today is hugely important in helping navigate change with kids. This month, our focus will be on helping kids deal with difficult emotions. Raising kids is an honor as well as a challenge. And raising kids abroad adds some unique dynamics, and there are plenty of big emotions to go around. I have some exciting content for you this month that I'm excited to share, and I hope it will help you feel more confident coaching your kids through their big emotions. Before we jump into the content, I want to share something one of my listeners sent. She explained that she was in the car with her daughter, and her daughter was angry that her mom wouldn't allow her to do something she wanted to do. She was expressing her irritation by yelling, irritating her siblings, and refusing to cooperate. This expat mom was at her wit's end. She was sick of the drama. She thought back to a one-minute wisdom email that she had received about processing emotion. She used some of the principles to help her daughter work through the big emotions that she had. It didn't make the situation go away, but it helped the mom dial back the intensity of the situation, and they were able to arrive home feeling a lot calmer. As I work with expat moms and non-expat moms, I notice that moms are busy. They want to feel better and improve their mothering, but they have a lot going on. That's why I created the One Minute Wisdom resource. I boil down some of the most important tools and ideas from the podcast into a simple email that can be read in less than a minute. You can sign up for this free resource in the show notes or on my website at theexpatmom.com. Also, if you have an experience with how a tool from One Minute Wisdom or the podcast have helped you or your family, I would love to hear about it. You can send me an email at jenny at theexpatmom.com or you can direct message me at Instagram at theexpatmomcoach. Let's jump into our topic. As parents, we want our kids to be happy. But helping your child learn to deal with negative emotions is not something that is intuitive or comes naturally just because you love your kids. It's a skill that requires some awareness and practice, and it's something that requires some shift in our mindset. One of the questions that I get asked frequently is, how do I help my child who's struggling or anxious or stressed or angry? 
As parents, we want to help our kids feel better, but sometimes the how is elusive. Today, I want to share some common mistakes that parents make in trying to coach their kids so you can recognize what not to do. This can be just as important and helpful as learning what to do. Next week, I'm going to share some of the helpful mindset foundation that's essential to learning how to help your kids deal with big emotions. And the following week, I will walk you by the step-by-step breakdown of how to coach your child through a big emotion in a healthy way. See if you resonate with something that happened recently. The other day, I was at the bus stop waiting for the bus, and I was chatting with some of the other bus stop moms. One of the moms was sharing that they had plans to go on a family trip that weekend. Their family was so excited, but the hotel called and had overbooked the rooms and canceled the reservation. She told us she was frantically trying to make plans to replace the trip so that her son and daughter wouldn't be disappointed. I think so many moms can relate to this. We want to make our kids happy. And when it's something that feels like it's in our control, we think we should try to minimize the negative emotions that our kids feel. Whether it's minimizing disappointment for kids, hating to see them suffer, or calming them down so that they don't disrupt the family or act out, or whether it's trying to help them have responses that are more in proportion to the extent of the problem. As parents, we often find ourselves trying to control negative emotion in our kids. According to John Gottman's book, Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child, parents tend to respond to their kids' emotions in one of four ways. In long-term studies that his team of researchers did, they watched how parents interacted with their children and what kind of impact it had on children over time in terms of seeing their children's self-esteem, their ability to deal with difficult emotions, and have healthy relationships. I'm going to share each of these four types of approaches. And as I do, see if you recognize yourself in different situations using these different approaches. Most of us toggle between these different approaches in different situations. As we go through each type, I'll refer back to this example of the mom whose trip was canceled to illustrate one example of this type of response to negative emotion. Type number one, the dismissing parent. The dismissing parent is often minimally affected by their child's emotion. They think their child's emotions are irrational or unimportant. They tend to ignore their children's expressions of emotions. They might try to distract their children or even make light of their emotions. They might downplay the events that precipitated the emotion or assume that the emotion will go away with time. Not surprisingly, these parents are not only not in tune with their children's emotions, they may also be less in tune with their own emotions. For example, in the situation about the mom whose trip plans were canceled and her kids were disappointed, a dismissing parent in this situation might say, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal, kids. It wasn't that great of a trip anyway. Research shows that this type of parenting tends to create a feeling among children that their feelings are invalid or inappropriate because what they feel inside naturally doesn't match what their beloved caregiver is telling them. Many children learn to dismiss their own feelings or become less in tune with their feelings. Ironically, this often makes it harder to regulate feelings because we don't even know what they are. The second type of parenting approach outlined by the Gottman Institute is the disapproving parent. A disapproving parent is irritated and impatient when their child shows negative emotion. They often feel that expressing negative emotions are a show of disrespect or immaturity. They tend to think that negative emotions should be time-limited. For example, it's fine for a child to cry for a couple of minutes about a scraped knee, but after that, they should pick themselves up and move on. They might even believe that negative emotions are the child's way of manipulating 
or that negative emotions show weakness. The disapproving parent tends to reprimand, discipline, or punish the child when they express negative emotion. They enforce strict limits. Sometimes, these parents have a difficult time regulating their own emotions, and they tend to value their own emotions over their children's emotions. If the mom in the trip example was a disapproving parent, she might say to her kids, stop whining, you're acting so spoiled about a stupid hotel reservation. Most kids don't even get opportunities like this. Research shows that children of dismissing parents tend to learn that negative feelings are wrong and that there's something inherently wrong with them for feeling negative emotions. Ironically, this feeling that something is wrong with them often makes it even more difficult for them to regulate their emotions. The third type of parent mentioned by the Gottman Institute is the laissez-faire parent. The laissez-faire parent empathizes deeply with their child. They accept all emotional expression from their child. They may even anticipate or try to preempt negative behaviors. They believe negative emotions just need to run their course and there isn't much you can do about them. They sometimes respect their child's feelings more than their own feelings. They offer comfort to their child. They also allow their child to act on their feelings however they want, without limits. They don't work on problem-solving with the child. This parent might have difficulty regulating their own emotions. If we circle back to our canceled trip scenario, a laissez-faire parent might say to her children, I know you're so disappointed. It isn't fair. I'm so, so sorry. We'll have ice cream instead and we'll make it super fun. She might ignore the children fighting and shrugging it off as, I know it's hard for kids to control their emotions. Research shows that the impact of this style of parenting is that children don't learn how to regulate their emotions. They actually have a hard time concentrating, forming relationships, and getting along with other kids. The fourth type of approach to dealing with kids' emotions is the emotion coaching parent. The emotion coaching parent respects the child's feelings and their own feelings equally. They recognize that feelings are not bad. Feelings don't have to be fixed. However, children do need help and coaching in learning how to respond to big emotions. They view emotions as an opportunity for intimacy with their children. They are comfortable expressing love and compassion and setting boundaries when a child acts on an emotion in an inappropriate way. If you think about a coach in a sports setting, they stand on the sidelines and call the plays but they don't get in and change the game. They give support, encouragement, and correction along the way, but they expect the players to do the work. Emotion coaching parents take a similar model with their children. For example, in the canceled trip example, an emotion coaching parent might say, wow, I can see that you're frowning. What are you feeling? And when the child answers, I'm feeling disappointed, they might say, I can totally say how you'd feel disappointed about this weekend. I'm actually really disappointed too. I was really looking forward to it. What was something you were looking forward to? That is a bummer. It would have been so fun. However, this emotion coaching parent also wouldn't permit the child to be destructive or to fight or do other things that are against the family rules just because they were feeling a negative emotion. Children who are parented this way tend to develop a healthier self-esteem. They learn how to regulate their feelings and solve problems. They're also able to get along with others. I always appreciate hearing multiple examples when I learn a concept. So in order to help review the four common parenting approaches to dealing with children's negative emotion, let me give you another example to illustrate how these approaches might apply in another scenario. Last year, my youngest daughter started full-time school for the first time. It was a big adjustment. And every morning she would say things like, 
I don't want to go to school or I don't like school. I want to stay home. As a mom, I was feeling such a tangle of emotions. One of the feelings I was feeling was stressed because I was thinking, we've got to get to the bus. Another was sad. It was really hard watching my little one struggle. Another feeling I felt was guilt because let's be honest, it was pre-K and she doesn't have to go. I also felt a little bit irritated because it was the same thing every day and it was annoying and hard to deal with. And I felt a little bit confused and discouraged because I had tried so many things to help her and nothing seemed to be working. As I look back on how I handled it, I think I see in myself each of the four ways of dealing with emotions on different days and in different ways. There were definitely days that I was the dismissing parent. I would say something like, sweetie, it'll be great. I know you'll have a good time. Let's get your backpack on. Come on, honey, quick. And I would sweep her out the door and get her to the bus. On these days, I noticed her anxiety seemed to be higher. She would wave extra long through the bus window. And she would mention again before she got on the bus, mommy, I don't want to go to school. There were also days that I was the disapproving parent saying, honey, we can't do this every morning. You know, we need to go to school. I know sometimes it's hard, but it's just something we need to do. It just makes it harder when you cry. On these days, she reflected back my irritation and anger. She often refused to get ready or crossed her arms and said, I'm not going. And there were mornings that I was probably more of a laissez-faire parent saying something like, it looks like you're having a really hard time. Come sit on my lap and tell me about it. Sounds like you're feeling really nervous to leave mommy and you miss me while you're at school. Let's try to read this book for a while. On these days, it did help calm her down, but it was hard to get her going and actually get to the bus on time. But many times I was also an emotion coaching parent. When my daughter told me she didn't want to go to school, I'd say something like, Okay, thanks for telling me. So you're not wanting to go to school? Come sit by me and tell me what you're feeling. She'd say something like, I'm feeling sad because I miss you when I'm at school. So I'd reflect back to her, okay, you're feeling sad. That's actually really normal for kids to feel sad and miss their mommy at school. Sometimes I miss you too when you're at school. It's okay to feel sad. And then I'd just give her a big hug. Then I'd say something like, even though it would be so fun to stay home all day together, it's important to go to school. I know that even if you're sad, you'll be learning so much at school and enjoying time with your friends. I am really looking forward to seeing you after school. What should we plan to do during our special time when you get home? These types of days were often better than the others. They weren't perfect. She still didn't want to go to school, but over time she learned that she could feel sad and that was okay. And she could still go to school. This last example is the ideal outcome for our kids to learn that what they're feeling is normal and okay. And they can learn that their feelings are important information, but they don't control everything that they do. When they are treated this way, they also develop the confidence that they're loved and understood no matter what they're feeling. The great thing about human relationships is that we don't have to be perfect. As a parent, if you even do emotion coaching some of the time, it's enough. In fact, some psychologists say that responding in a healthy way, even 30% of the time is enough to form secure attachments and healthy patterns. So you don't have to get it perfect all the time. Just making an effort can go a long way. So let's summarize the four different approaches to kids' emotions. Number one, dismissive, assuming that the child's feelings are unimportant or overblown and dismissing them or trying to distract our kids from them. Number two, disapproving, 
feeling irritated by a a child's emotions and often punishing them or shaming them for their feelings. Number three, laissez-faire, feeling so sad for our children and sometimes even taking on their emotions. We allow emotion to rule and don't set limits. Number four, emotion coaching, respectfully acknowledging children's feelings and holding space for them, but also setting limits on how those feelings are being expressed. We discussed that although the first three approaches are easier and perhaps more common in our culture, they don't yield very useful results in terms of emotional health and connection. While we can't control our kids' emotions, we can learn how to respond to them in ways that are helpful, not harmful. Next time, we'll talk about how to shift our mindset to allow us to interact with our kids and their emotions in a healthier way. The following week, I'll lay out the five-step process for emotion coaching your kids. Let's go to our expat exit strategy. This is the part in the podcast where we apply the things that we've learned on the podcast. So picture a time that your child had a big emotion. Think about what you thought and how you felt and how you responded to that child. Which response style of parenting best describes the way that you reacted in that instance? Now think of another example. And notice if your response style was the same or different. As your kids have big emotions, begin to identify your common styles of responding. It may help as you begin to discover patterns to notice why you respond in certain ways and begin to shift your strategy to being more of an emotion coach. We'll be covering how to do that in the next couple of episodes. Learning intellectual concepts is such a powerful thing because it allows us to see what is possible. But sometimes applying these actual tools in our life with our situation and our personalities and our children can be challenging. That's one of the reasons I love coaching because it allows us to take tools and apply them to our lives. While we can make progress by simply learning intellectually new things, we make quantum progress when we apply them and get help and feedback in doing it. That's why I'd love for you to sign up for a free 30-minute mini coaching session and see how applying these tools can take you to the next level. You can sign up for a free 30-minute mini coaching session on my website, theexpatmom.com, and the link is also in the show notes. I'll talk to you next time. If you like what you're learning on this podcast, please share this episode with a friend. I wish that I had had these tools a lot earlier in my life and I'd love to pass them along to more people who can benefit. I also appreciate when you leave reviews for the podcast. It helps me know my listeners better and understand what you find useful. It also helps the podcast grow. You can find more free resources to improve your relationships and your emotional health on my website at theexpatmom.com and on my Instagram page at theexpatmomcoach.com.